LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders. My name is Josh King. Uh, lead pastor at Second Baptist in Central Arkansas, and Sam Rayner is uh, on the beach right now, and Micah is in Tennessee. And Josh is the pastor of the Second Baptist Church of all Central Arkansas. Yeah, you know, it's a big region. Yes, it's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the pastor of Second Baptist Church in Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas. It's Conway. Conway. (laughs) Same. So, um, Sam is on the beach. What are you doing on the beach? Just sitting there? You know, we have these, so we, our seasons are kind of flipped. Most people think Florida is a summer de- destination, but it's so hot no. down here that summer, yeah. um, you know, we, we, basically our area vacates in the summer. And so there's some really good off season rates. And mm-hmm. yeah, I picked a, a beach for a little day trip with my family and um, they're down here. They're, they're out there on the beach, uh, braving the heat. And I hmm. am looking out a window at a beautiful view in the air conditioning. Incredible. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Micah, what's your day look like today? It's a fairly full day and, and um, I've got meetings almost all day long and then I've got a – I'm teaching at a school this week and so Micah, I've got to get on the road. Micah, do you do other than just meetings? Isn't, isn't that just pretty much your job? I have averaged – I did the math not long ago, a few months ago, and I think I've averaged 24 or 25 a week since I arrived here. Oh, I'm convinced. People ask me all the time, especially when we're in settings like the convention, mm. where's Mike and Sam? That's the number one question. Oh, hey, you're on that show. Where's Micah and Sam? Um, and I'm convinced Micah's in a meeting and Sam's on the beach. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> that's our life. I'm that's not so I'm sure saying. Sam hadn't figured this out better than I have. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm not joking. All the time I'm walking around. People say, hey, this, where's Micah? I have, like, I'm not my brother's keeper. I don't know. <laughs> this year's SBC was I, three weeks out. I was thinking, man, this is going to be a really calm, relaxed SBC. And then by the time the week arrived, it was unreal. I think I had like, and I think I was looking, my mom asked me this, and I think it was like 12 meetings a day or 13 meetings mom. a day while I was at the SBC. So, yeah. It's, so, it's just please tell me that somebody comes up to y'all and asks, where's Josh? Does anybody ever do that? I have. I did have a few people come up to me and tell me how much the <laughs> podcast meant to them, and said they were looking for Josh and Sam. Um, no, one Josh, dude asked people... for a selfie. Did you see that? No, I didn't. He asked That's for awesome. a selfie, and then um, did you autograph posted... anybody's biceps, Josh? I didn't. But then he asked. Um, <laughs> he asked, "Where's Mike and Sam?" I was like, "I don't know. I don't know where those guys are." Oh man! So it's funny um, for our listeners. You would think when we get to things like that, these big preacher meetings or stuff where we're all are like. We rarely see each other. We Yeah, that's right. We're just doing stuff. That's right. Yeah. I mean, over the last year, how many minutes have we spent face-to-face in person with each other? Oh, my. None. Like, I mean, has it been all under three 30 of us? minutes, all three of us in a room? No, it's been yeah. under 30 minutes. Really. Def- yeah. yeah, I would say under 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But, hey, we can be friends through the podcast and everyone's just yes. listening in. I met you guys online. <laughs> I did. I <laughs> met you all online as well. I did meet Josh online. Found him through an online site. Mm-hmm. We've become very close. 
<laughs> I think I found Josh on the Twitter. On the Twitter, it's Joe Wiki. And what, Joe what Wiki a finds brilliant it. Brilliant handle. It is Josh, a brilliant handle. Josh really does have the best hand. One of the best handles I've that's ever right. seen. That's right. I love y'all's. I wish that's I could right. get that. But yeah, Joshua William Key. Joe, that's another Joe thing. Wiki. Somebody called me Joe. Hey Joe, and I said, um, "Excuse me," and he says, "Yeah, Joe Wiki, that's your name, right?" I said, "Nope." He goes, "I'm." A, I listen to the show, and I said, "I say my name literally every single episode." How do you? How do you not get? That's hilarious. That's hilarious. But that's a petty comment, you know. That and, is and that's a great segue. That's a wonderful segue, Josh. Well done. Actually, was the comment petty or was the response petty? The response was petty because I clearly go by Joe Wiki. That's fine. But let me just clarify. That's Joshua William King. That's what the Joe Wiki means for all of you. I had that long before. Um, you know, everybody we should call Wiki. him Willie from now on, Sam. Willie. Let's call him Willie. He's in Arkansas now. Listen, He's in Arkansas. I have a really good friend named Willie at my church, and he and I go to baseball games together. I have some great friends named Willie. Oh, I'm so excited about your your Rays moving to Montreal, Sam. Dude, very excited about this. Okay, we can't do Willie and I. Willie happen? and I are going to come with you, and we're going to go happen? watch. No, there's that's not <laughs> happened yet. I'm we, just getting under Sam's skin. We, yeah, because you're going to get me agitated, <laughs> and, and I'm going to get all petty on you. Is what's going to happen. I'm glad you're beach. at the beach, man. You get to go relax after this. Yes. So let's talk about. Petty. All right, let's talk about being petty. Yes, you know, and I looked up some synonyms for this because the three of us were trying to debate on exactly how to intro this topic, and it's not to say that the petty doesn't matter. It matters to some folks. And it also doesn't mean that, um, you know, it's theological in nature. So, what would be a petty theological situation? <laughs> you're going to go right there, huh? Well, I mean, if I'm we're talking curious, about theology, I, I would say like if you're going to – I would argue and there are going to be denominations and movements who are going to disagree with me. So, let's just be clear on that. But I, if you're going to split a church over eschatology, in my estimation, that's petty. That's kind of petty. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, Sam, you might d- disagree. I don't know. Um, I might have a slightly higher view of eschatology than you. But well, here's what but, I would say in terms of the time and date of Jesus' return. Yeah. Okay, so let's no, let's think, not talk about eschatology on the whole. I would have some pretty strong opinions about eschatology on the whole. I would, but say I'm talking about the time and date of, of Jesus' return. Yeah, a lot of arguments are lifted to a theological stance. Like, hey, and listen, this is yeah. not this is not theory for me. I, I went to a church, not the church I'm at now, but I've been to a church previously where a, the time and date of Jesus' return was baked into the Constitution, into our official not in not in the Constitution. I'm sorry, into the official doctrinal position of the church, and we had to change it when I became the pastor because I didn't agree with it, and they right. called me as pastor anyway. Man, they I really would, held that stance. Yeah. I would say Bible translation. That's a good one, Sam. That's is, a really you good know, one. Um, English and, version. And not right. that they're again petty doesn't mean unimportant, but if you're going to divide a church right. over, we're talking you know, about the Christian the the- Standard Bible versus the English Standard Version. I mean, that would be petty. On the oh theology side, totally we're talking the about church. we're talking about Al Mohler's theological triage. We're talking about level three of mm-hmm. the triage. Sort of these things. You don't split churches. You don't disunify over those sort of things. Right. Well, those are kind of petty. Yeah, petty, so, again, not in the sense that they're unimportant, but in the sense that they should not cause division either. They're small. Yeah. I looked up some synonyms, trivial, trifling, minor, small, slight. Trifling. That's a fun word. It trifling. is a fun word. I like it. That's a Dignitary. really fun word. I have a, I have a story. This, um, this lady came up to me and said, when are we going to get a, get a real bulletin? Because I changed the handout, the paper thing that you mm-hmm. hand out to people as they come. <laughs> yeah. We still call it. I, and, you know, as I like to try to be like Josh. forward leading Southern Baptist, but I still can't find a better word than bulletin for that thing. It's not a worship it's guide. A worship guide. It's, but there's no guide in it. It's not a guide. There's nothing guiding in there. Do you have your songs listed in there? 
No, we very intentionally do not. Yes, it's not worship guide. Because many it's times a guide they, to your announcements. Yeah, they change at the last. It's an announcement guide, is what it is. That's exactly. It's, it's a brochure, is what it is. That's what it's it is. It's a marketing brochure. And I said we have one of those, and she said no, a real one. And I talked to several people, and the one we have is just garbage. And I said, well, I really wish you would go tell those people that I worked really hard on that. And yeah. she's like. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't mean garbage. <laughs> I don't totally mean that shit. kind of garbage. I don't mean bad garbage. I mean good garbage. It's good garbage. <laughs> New pastor that I like. <laughs> it was really funny. She didn't realize oh, I worked hard on that That's incredible. Thing. But I liked it. I said, you know what? We're not going back. Okay. So, that's the way it is. Let me give you an example of something that is not unimportant. So, it does matter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in our sanctuary, we have a chandelier. Mm. It's a very large chandelier. It's a very old chandelier. I found the original bill of sale. It came from a hotel in Syracuse, New York. They bought it years and years and years Ooh, ago. Fancy. Yeah. I think, they, I think it was installed close to the time the church opened the sanctuary, which was like 1964. Wow. So it's important, not to a lot of people at our church, but it's important to a few people at our church. But what's interesting about it is every Sunday, I've actually said this from the pulpit, nobody sits under it. Like the whole sanctuary will be full and there will be a circle of empty seats immediately under the, under the chandelier. Well, it may fall on their head. They're all scared of that. It's true. <laughs> Everybody's terrified of it. it is caught that on. a real thing? They're really fear, fear I'm not. I, I think that's it. I don't think anybody consciously doesn't sit under it. I think it's a sub subconscious thing because when I bring it up, things that are when I bring up, when I bring it up, everybody says, what are you serious? And I'll bring it up in the service and they'll all look and just start laughing because <laughs> nobody's sitting under it. I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I wouldn't sit under it. Yeah, but but I'm also not going to do anything about the same. I mean, I'm, I'm, if I pushed it, if I made a deal out of it, it would cause a problem unnecessarily unless for some reason we had, you know, problems filling our – we needed more seats in our auditorium. Mm -hmm. And then send, I think we could make the argument. Send some intern up to, to the scaffolding, like just the to hang roof on area it. and have them cut it down <laughs> and then everyone will say, see, I told you so. That's why we never sat on it. Yes, room. yes. Well, just and, hang and on it and how about show this? that it's not going to fall. So, about 10 or 15 years ago, it caught on fire during a wedding reception. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, a wedding rehearsal. And uh, so, that got fixed. And the big thing everybody told us is it was um, Waterford Crystal, like original Waterford Crystal, all the crystals were. And so I called our insurance agent who goes to our church and she said, Micah, we're, it's not insured, anything like that. And so I said, well, I actually found the original bill of sale and the original bill of sale says it's Waterford Crystal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we brought in an someone to assess the value. They pulled it down. It's not. It's all glass. Aww. And so, I, uh, yeah, I've, it, so, you know, it, it, it's, there's, there's perceptions around it that are not true, but there's no reason to do anything about it. We're going to leave it in there. It's, it looks sure. pretty. And so, we're going to do something. But if I tried to do something with it, boy, it would be an issue. You know what I mean? I'm trying to look up the pictures of your sanctuary. Oh, I see it. You see it? Yeah. 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 It's a monstrosity. It is a very large In a positive chandelier. way. Yeah. I mean that in a positive way. Yeah, it's a big old thing hanging in the air. <laughs> it is. Now, when we were we were looking at remodeling our sanctuary, and actually the company that was going to remodel it asked us to eliminate it because they said acoustically it's a problem. Hmm. And if we remodeled it, we were going to do that. But unless we're remodeling it, we're not we're not gonna you know we're not gonna touch it. Here's the irony. I just pulled up Google Images and searched. There's a picture of your sanctuary yeah. with that chandelier. Yeah. The whole place is nearly empty except for a cluster of people sitting right under it. Really? I need to find that picture. Ironic. I need to find that picture because <laughs> it would be like the one exception. It's from a Vimeo. A Vimeo um, blog? I mean, a yeah. Vimeo thing. Yeah. Vimeo, Vimeo. I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Um, so, Vimeo. I like how you say Vimeo. That's fantastic. Vimeo. Um, Sam, you had yes. a trivial small petty thing come up i i i do like the room oh, did service. you want to was that was that off air talk 
No, 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 no. Okay. I'm just, right. I have room I'm service sorry. knocking on my door right now. Room service. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tried let's to, let I you tried go to get to room it. service and then I'll, I'll have a conversation and then you can come back and do your thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, um, room service. <laughs> it is, it is kind of funny. Um, so we, we just finished up a renovation and, um, we moved a water fountain. It was, you know, a necessary part of the renovation and, you know, we're, you know, taking out certain rooms and so the water fountain had to go and it was right by the worship space. So, um, we, um, so we, um, Sam's eggs, Sam's exit. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. I've got, I've got, I've got room service in my ear. Phenomenally good podcasting (laughs) material. She's like, do you want your mimosa over here? (laughs) (laughs) No joke, guys. She stood there and just stared at me while I was trying to tell my story. I'm like, Why is the dude talking to himself? I've got earbuds in. I've got a microphone. I'm like, I'll see you later. Um, so anyway, no. So we moved, so the, water moved fountain. the water fountain, mm-hmm. and and it was one of those things where everyone everyone moves back into the space and like, where's the water fountain? I, mm. I used to get some water before I went. What is your the, problem, Sam? Are you anti water fountain? No, mm. no, no. And they were Jeez. right. Here's Jesus the is the water. They were right. Um, so. So, we put in a water boy system and it was what we needed to do. And you may say, well, that's real petty. Nobody that, hear me out, nobody that was, quote unquote, no, no one was even complaining in our church. They were just like, where'd the water fountain go? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you could get all upset over the pettiness of a water fountain. But, but you know what? It was, we needed a water fountain there. And so, yeah. we took the time yeah. to go do that. It, it, it may be a petty thing, but it was, it was an important thing. Yeah. So, now that yeah. we've shared a couple of stories on small things, here's why we're talking about this. Because these kind of things will beat you up yeah, and as a lead pastor. Listen, small things are like um, how you roll the toothpaste or how you roll the toilet paper in a marriage, right? right? Like they're tiny and they're insignificant, but they will wear on you and they can completely disrupt things if you're mm, not careful. Right. You know what I mean? And so, here's what I would say. And here's what we have to remember about these sort of things. The water fountain, the chandelier, in the grand scheme of eternal things, they don't matter. They don't. But remember that church is an emotional experience for most people before it is anything else. We've talked about this multiple times before. Right. People respond emotionally, not intellectually, not strategically. That's not to say they don't think and they don't, they're not strategic about what they do. Their first response is usually a visceral one, both mm-hmm. good and bad. It's an emotional response. And so when we move the small things, things they're accustomed to, things that they're, they're used to, it can provoke emotional responses. And I think too often, especially young pastors don't get that. They don't recognize that and they think, oh, this is just a little water fountain. It doesn't matter. It's insignificant. You know what I mean? Or, hey, I'm just not going to use the pulpit anymore. It's not a big deal. And they, they underestimate the emotional investment that people had in those small things. And sometimes right. and they get upset. They do. They don't get upset. Well, here's that. here's why people get upset. Sometimes small things are symbols. They and are. And those That's symbols good, are, are powerful yeah. in right. and of themselves. I mean, it's kind of like the American flag, right? Yeah, you know, right. well, I'm just going to burn the flag. It's just a piece of fabric. What does it matter? This right. fabric is just fabric like any other fabric. But no, that flag means something to someone, uh, yeah. to a lot of people actually. And it re- will evoke mm-hmm. a visceral response in the same way, maybe a pulpit or a cross that's in a certain place or even, you know, the American flag in the worship space, that's which right. you mm-hmm. may say, well, what does it matter? We're just going to move it into a different room. Well, it, it's symbolic. And so, you, ha- you all sometimes, sometimes you have to make the distinction between something that is, you know, s- small, quote unquote, petty, but s- powerfully symbolic. And then maybe something that 
is small and petty and, and isn't. And you, you have to be very, very careful about the stuff that is symbolic to, to your church. So let's talk about then what about the pastor, maybe younger pastor or whatever, who is there are some of those things that are eternally insignificant, but the pastor is convinced for whatever reason that it's important that they be changed, right? Uh, those things happen. Josh changes the bulletin so that he can make everybody mad at the, at his church, mm -hmm. right? So I mean, do. those things, but I mean, here's the thing. Those things come up. All of us have them. Every one of us have led through some of those changes. How do we walk through that sort of change? So let's give a few principles for how people can walk through that sort of change. And I'm going to give you, so I saw one of my pastoral ministries professor at the SBC mm -hmm. from, from my undergrad, from my college, a guy named Dr. Jerry Windsor. I've known him for since I was 16 or so years old. And uh, he's been retired for a long time. But he used to say in our pastoral ministry classes, he said, guys, make sure the saddle's cinched on tight before you throw the spurs to the horse. And uh, his point was, make sure you've got some solid relational capacity and relational capital before you go about pushing on emotional issues in the church. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times pastors walk in and assume they have authority and right and permission by virtue of the position. Yeah, and you don't have any of those things you don't. when you walk in the door. You don't. I mean, you might for two months, but it's going to go away pretty quickly. Right. And you're well, going to have to earn those sort of things. I'll tell you how we handled the bulletin. And um, so this this woman who brought up the concern was unaware of some other things. But um, there, it was thought through. We don't ever change anything arbitrarily. And we don't change things just to change them. I know – and that could be a whole topic. I know guys that are literally saying we're just changing it up to – make everybody kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. If we and, don't keep changing stuff, then people are going to get settled in. Yeah. That I think that that's a really too. silly philosophy. That's a really dumb thing. We can talk you, about that later. When it's, you poor, do need, it's poor leadership. It that's is. very poor leadership. When you do need to make an actual change, you're not going to be able to because you're going to burn all right. your credibility. Right. So I kept, I had two main issues. Even in the interview process, I heard a number of people talk about the communication from the leadership staff, leadership slash staff down or out to the congregation. So that was, a, that was a concern that people, it wasn't a major concern. It was a thing. The other side of that was um, there was a number of people feeling as though, so that was from a leadership perspective. The other people were like, we're missing things. Some things get posted over here. Some things get said from there. So there was a problem there. On the other side of that, our staff was, because there wasn't a communication strategy, was going like crazy. So there was a bunch of newsletters that were going out uh, like weekly, church-wide, children's ministry, et cetera. These, these newsletters, these email newsletters that were going out, the bulletin had no real philosophy. So what we did was break things down into three main channels. And so you have the Facebook, which is – or any social media. You just put that in social media, which is primarily outward-driven. So um, almost always, if it doesn't have a um, – non-second fam sort of impact, then it doesn't go out of the social media. It only, social media is primarily second, non-second fam. The bulletin are upcoming, those are more guest driven and the high things. They have a church-wide effect. Then we have a monthly, instead of weekly, a monthly newsletter, which just drills down into all of the, the details. And that is not only sent out once a month, it's sent out, but it's also um, uh, printed and then put into the boxes or the communication you know, vehicle for the small groups. So we simplified everything with what it is for and why it. So, for instance, 
and I don't know what I've never seen y'all's bulletin, but the finances were in our bulletin and I'm not a big fan of that. So what the last week's offering, what year did all that kind of stuff? We published that. We take it out. We put, that's a, for me, that's a family matter. Um, I don't tell all my neighbors, my paycheck and all that sort of stuff. So we're not going to tell all the guests that walk in all that. We put that into the newsletter and publish that. And so all of the family knows kind of the finances, but there's just a perception. You either have too much, people make judgments. Oh, well, they've got tons of money. You know, I don't need to give or um, they're, they're, I know I've been in church before. And I'm like, man, they're way behind your date. That's weird to me. And so you start just thinking about things and you don't know all the details. So we pulled that out. And so that was a very careful reasoning why. And so when I explained some of that to her, um, she began to see a little bit more why we were talking about that. So makes sense. Yeah. St- but- we still publish our attendance and our giving and our bulletin. So- this is actually a really good example of what we're talking about. So our communications team came to me and said, Micah, we're spending, I don't remember what they said we're spending on the budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the, on the bulletins every week. If we reduce the size of the bulletins, we think we can still put basically everything we need to in there mm-hmm. and save. It was in the tune of thousands of dollars a year. And I right. said, well, that's a no brainer to me. Let's do it. And so we did. We went to smaller um We went to smaller bulletins, and one of the things that got left out were the numbers, the attendance, the giving, that sort of thing. Well, it wasn't an intentional effort to keep that away from people. We just thought, well, we're saving a lot of money, so let's make it happen. And we've got the numbers still available for anybody that wants it. Well, the immediate impression was that we were trying to hide the numbers from people at the church. So we went back to – we publish the numbers, the attendance, and the giving in a a small handout every week that Mm -hmm. still saves us a lot of money. But we don't have it in the big bulletin. It's available for everybody when they walk in. So, it's still mm-hmm. right beside where you pick up the bulletin. And, and all five of those people are glad that it's there. <laughs> that is it. correct. Yes. It's not a very large amount of people. We have very, very, very few of them that get handed out every week. You know, the other uh, thing we were – in the newsletter format, we were able to put more information. Also, put it month to month, which we all know the larger the sample, you get a better idea. Right. Because you'll have a low, a low week, at. you know. Right. And so, uh, the month to month became a lot more helpful to people. And so, we heard the same concerns. If we take this out of the bulletin, people are going to be like, oh, you're hiding things. Right. But then we heard a number of compliments about like, we really love that you put that out because we feel like the whole church is hearing it and seeing it in an email format. So, um, my point though, when you're dealing with this petty stuff is like Sam, you pointed out, it's symbolic. It's not the bulletin. Okay. They don't care actually about the format. What they care about is being in the know and feeling as though they were cut out of the know, whether that's numbers or just the ice cream social or whatever. So, making sure you understand what the actual concern is and that you have spoken to it and considered it, I think it's just good leadership. Don't yeah, make don't, changes that If you don't feel invited out. to the ice cream social, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Yeah. I mean, particularly in Florida when you're on the beach. I mean, everybody wants ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's going to get ice cream as soon as he gets off the air. Well, no, he doesn't have no, to. His room service has already delivered right. it for him. Yeah. He just texts. <laughs> I, I can't I can't underscore enough how awkward that just was for me a few moments ago. <laughs> I can for, imagine. For it was good, awkward for us listening to it. I want to say for a good 60 to, I don't know, 75 seconds, <laughs> she was just literally just staring at me while I was trying to talk to you. 
and I didn't know what to do. I was talking. I, I just one of those awkward moments. That was but awesome. I live in the awkward. I love the awkward, and that's why I'm a pastor. Uh, and it's called exactly Florida. Right. And it's called Florida. Yes. <laughs> Florida is so. Sam, for those who nobody else would know this except for me, Josh, and Sam. Sam texts us an average of probably once a day with once a story a from Florida mm -hmm. of some absurdly ridiculous thing that somebody in Florida has done that's made the news somewhere. Mm -hmm. And right. many of them are from my community. Yeah, a lot of those them are the are best from ones. your community. Yeah, <laughs> they're fantastic. So, when we're talking about this petty stuff, you know, we my approach is to think through how it might affect people. When you're making changes, think through how it might affect people. Sam um, somehow figured out that hey, we're going to move this water fountain. We need to put in some sort of system for uh, water because hydration is very important, and uh, <laughs> Jesus is the water. Particularly, of life, we don't so. we don't need people passing out during a long. That's term. right. So that you fixed true. it. And so, it's always great to do that. I think that to speak to another topic, what you said about a minute ago, Micah, about making sure you have the relational capital, I have found there is uh, – you get more um, leadership c capital when you sit here and say, we're making this change. Here's the things we've thought through and why we're doing this a more productive manner. Here's how I've considered you and you and you and we're going forward with this change. It's not just that you made the change because to you, it seems super logical while you're changing that bulletin. But when you communicate it, I think people say, yeah, our leader is thinking through and considering the rest of us, That's even right. on the small things. Right. Small things can make huge relational capital. In fact, I would say small things, again, going back to the way you roll your toothpaste and the way you roll your toilet paper, they may say more to anybody else than the big things. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The, the fact that you care enough for mm -hmm. them. To think through um, it. And I'll add one thing when it comes to change management. Sometimes you have petty things that are, you know, maybe programs or ways we've done things, rhythms, patterns, seasons in a church. Um, one of the best ways that I've found to help people through change, particularly with something that may be small overall but big to them, is just to put a trial period in. Yeah, just, that's true. Just say, hey, you know, we're going to try this for a year. And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to the old way. Right. And and if you can get it to work for a year, at the end of that year, everyone's basically saying, well, this is the way we've always done it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, you might you, you might use as a tactic, a change management leadership tactic. As and some a, cultures say, you know, they'll say everything's an experiment. Like we're trying everything. In fact, one of my favorite little axioms to say is a plan is what we're going to do if we don't do something else. And so, people will often laugh or quote when we're in a committee meeting, go, well, let's just make a plan and we'll do that unless we do something else. And so, um, creating that sort of expectancy like you're talking about there of like, it's just a trial and we can always change later. Nobody's going to die. It'll be fine. Yeah. And you calm people down when mm -hmm. they know that, hey, this, you're not burning the bridge. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, you can always go back if you need to. Um, and, and that, that helps people understand, like you, you actually do care. It's not just right. change for the sake of change. That's it's not just important. you pushing forward with your own preferences. It's like, Hey, I really do believe this is best, but if it doesn't work, we can always fall back on what was sure. happening previously. You know, I have on a number of occasions accidentally changed something very symbolic, you know, and, uh, I think we all have. Mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. yes. I have found a lot of help is to sit there and find out who's upset and go sit down with them yeah, or right. pull them off to the side and say, hey, sorry about that. Could you help me understand what was wrong? Oh, okay. Well, what if we did this? Let's tweak it a little bit here. Let's do this. And would that be good for you guys? You know, And usually 
they're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, well you didn't know because you know you've been here eight months, and so that makes sense. And yeah, maybe I was too mad. Let's change it. I once proposed in a meeting in front of people to make the Heritage Room a coffee shop. Oh my gosh. Oh I was in my word. 20s. Heritage we've, Coffee. To my defense. Sounds awesome. We have a heritage room at our church. Two of them, actually. To, to my defense, I was in my 20s and I, I very – thankfully, I was astute enough to realize soon after I said the word, the words came out of my mouth what I had done. Yeah. Um, it's – just so you know. 20-year-olds are the worst. It is still a heritage only room. surpassed by 18, <laughs> to this day. 18 and 19-year-olds. 18, 19-year-old Bible college students. Oh, yes. I was oh. – I was watching one the other day who was uh, reading one the other day who was just going after um, a thirty-some year old, a thirty-some year tenured pastor. Oh yeah, who is incredibly intelligent. Those guys don't know anything, and he just he was convinced he didn't know anything. The twenty-year-old <laughs> college student, and he, oh wow. Anyway, the whole church has been waiting for these guys to get to Bible. College. I've said, yeah, exactly. finally correct us. All. I've said multiple times before the height of my intelligence was not. 18 years old, but it was the height of my confidence in my intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. What else? Any final thoughts? I would just say, you know, here's the other thing. No, have a reasonable expectation of how long you're going to be serving at the church. I, I, I mean, what I mean by that is, look, are you going there to be there for two or three or four years? And then you're really wanting, there's another church, another city, a bigger church where you want to go be, because if you're going to be there five years or less, don't rock the boat too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, just don't do what you can to care for them, help turn their focus outward, but don't restructure the whole world and then walk away. I've made that mistake before and, uh, and it was not helpful to the church. It felt helpful in the short term, but it wasn't helpful in the long term. And then if you're not going to do that, then take your time and recognize that 10 years is a long time and slow, gradual change over 10 years can accomplish a lot. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to do everything your first 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a long ball game. It has to be. You got to have a long haul approach. I mean, the best way you're going to make change is to have a long haul approach. Right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Sam's got to get back to the sand. But before I let everybody go, I just want to remind you that becoming a church that cares well for the abused, it's a curriculum designed to equip the church on how to respond well to the initial report of abuse. The curriculum brings together uh, top experts from various fields to help leaders understand and implement the best practices for handling variety of abuse scenarios at church, school, or ministry. If you're in the United States, you can learn more and get it free by texting Church Cares, that's one word, Church Cares to 888 111. Or if you're outside of the United States, just go to churchcares.com. Again, that's all the time we have for today. Make sure that you're listening to Five Leadership Questions as well as EST on your favorite podcasting app. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.